Hi everyone, today I'm talking to Thomas Lakavichus, who is a management consultant, leadership trainer, and the founder and CEO of Pilligree, an enterprise platform that transforms performance and growth for people in tech, where it matters the most, leadership and proactive mental health. During our conversation, we talked about ambition, curiosity, self-awareness, as well as Thomas' passion for athletics, fire performance, and helping teams and organizations. If you enjoyed this conversation, please like, subscribe, and share. The Happy Developer Podcast is a nonprofit initiative, so your support is highly appreciated. Enjoy. Hello, Thomas. Hi. I'm happy to see you here at the Happy Developer Podcast. Likewise. Yeah, excited to be Amazing. here. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, so we planned this ahead. Great to finally see you here. You seem like a busy guy, at least recently. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Actually, this time of the year is pretty busy. So, what what have you been doing lately? Tell me. Uh, well, a lot of uh, work with my with my clients. Also, uh, like September October is pretty popular uh, months uh, when it comes to uh, conferences. Uh, you know, like public speaking engagements and different kind of this kind of gigs. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm actually very excited of, of this time of the year because it really helps to uh, get into that flow of uh, networking, of meeting new people, of sharing different perspectives, of learning a lot. And, uh, and it really sets up the mood upcoming for upcoming like winter when for me winter, I, I like to spend winter on mo mostly like focusing on building new products on actually, you know, uh, acting on what I have learned in the last couple mm -hmm. of months. So, so yeah, this kind of mood actually mm -hmm. goes. You mentioned several things so that you have clients that you're participating in conferences, meeting new people. The way I understand it, it's like the bread and butter of a full-time trainer. So you are a trainer, you are a consultant, you have your own company and you are how old in your thirties? Yeah, I'm 30. That, that's amazing when you think about it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't think about it a lot, uh, but uh, when acknowledged, it's it's uh, yeah, it's something to to think about. Why don't you think about it? I mean, it's like an existential stuff. You don't think about life, about death. Uh, no, I do think. Uh, I just believe that uh, you know, contemplating a lot about your age, uh, it's not something that uh, I find very interesting. But uh, but yeah, I, I find it interesting to. Uh, to you know, think through and 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 try to feel a lot about uh, just yeah fundamental things such as yeah death and and you know life in general and what does it mean to have like a certain quality in life mm. or you know to impact others or to leave a legacy. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, I I I I really find myself in this position that I think about it uh, more often than let's say five years ago. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That that's interesting because uh, you know I, I'm a, a counselor and a psychologist, and I tend to see a trend that young people like us, even younger than us, so we are in our thirties, but I meet people who are maybe in their late twenties, and some of them say that I feel so old, mm -hmm. and not only because they feel physically old. That that's not the case. Many of us, you know, they go to the gym. We take care of of ourselves it's like uh, very popular right now who, who could ever thought you know uh, in the in the old history but you know still some of us for some reason think old or we feel that 
we have to accomplish something as fast as possible because mm -hmm. otherwise something happens you know yeah and yeah. you also mentioned that you think about your legacy i do myself as well so i think what we have is in in common but speaking of you i mean you know there's statistically speaking a lot ahead but you still find yourself thinking about it so how, how would you psychoanalyze yourself uh, well, there are actually a couple of things uh, that you mentioned, which are, I think, very interesting uh, angles of where, you know, we can we can form sure. the discussion. Uh, one of them is actually like feeling old because you think that you have a lot of years already under your belt and maybe you are, you know, thinking about the perspective in the future. That's one thing. But also we have the angle of not feeling maybe accomplished enough or, you know, comparing yourself to others and, you know, opening LinkedIn any other morning and you see that, you know, there is uh, none, uh, none person that's just chilling around everyone, just, you know, starting a startup, everyone just uh, closed the investment round, uh, got a new career or, you know, accomplished some kind of certificates or, or, or finished their masters or you name it. And then you you actually uh, try well not try to uh, to compare yourself to others, but you know these thoughts creep in, especially I think in this kind of uh, entrepreneurship uh, area where I, I I find myself as well. So so there are you know a lot of uh, people who are accomplishing a lot, but uh, also in 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 this kind of reflection phase, I think that it is important to uh, put things into perspective mm -hmm. uh, in terms of your own goals and uh, your own like point B where you are heading. And uh, at least for my case, uh, maybe it is because of the age, maybe it's because of the like maturity of the of the like a, for me as a professional or as a personality. Uh, I, I don't care uh, now about increasing uh, stuff just like in terms of more that I need more employees, more money, more uh, more impact. But I really look how I can close the gap between where I am now and where I want to go or what kind of person I want to become. And for me, you know, in, 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 in many cases, I'm working with clients. Uh, I can hear the stories where they are in one minute, they're speaking about that they want to uh, increase their uh, number of employees or they want to close specific investment round for like 1 million or 5 million and actually, you know, uh, really put uh, their feet on the gas pedal. Uh, but on the other minute, they are saying that, you know, they bought a cool bike, uh, but it's still in the package in the garage because they don't have time to use it, you know, don't have time to enjoy it, or they want to spend more time with their kids or more time with their friends or just, you know, watch a movie and <laughs> or some kind of TV series. So this, so I, I really look into that kind of, uh, of how I can optimize myself to to reach what is really important for me, not only you know mm -hmm. what others uh, are uh, accomplishing or what uh, what kind of their uh, goals are met or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mentioned several important things, and especially now when the economy became slower, uh, it's yeah. it's getting even harder to face these questions. So what I should do, you know? So I was thinking recently about growing my company, hiring people. Now I have to fire people, and yeah, it yeah. puts you in very interesting spot because not only you are, it seems that you are not maybe achieving your plans or goals, but you're also, uh, in a way, uh, putting other people 
in a different situation where you have to fire, let's say, and then it's it's something that other people have to face your employees and they go through existential stuff as well. So interesting what you're saying, you know, on the one hand, you're you're not thinking about your age. On the one hand, on the other hand, you, you're thinking how to uh, accomplish that or fill that gap, you know, so that gap, you know, it can be something that motivates and it can be something that demotivates. So what gives you motivation to stick stick to yourself, to your values, to your to your goals, uh, reduce comparison, reduce uh, overly ambitious goals and just keep, keep doing what you feel, what's important, what does help to you, what, what does help you in this matter? Yeah, I think that uh, I, I already mentioned point B, uh, and I really love to speak about point A as well. So okay. where 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 we are starting and even working with the clients, you know, it, it could be like a team, it could be individual person, but I always start with this kind of what is your current unique position and then where we're heading, what is the, the point B. And it's uh, it's very simple, uh, simple terms, but it really helps to put things into perspective because, you know, when we are thinking about this kind of location uh, item, uh, then you can reflect, you know, what kind of your unique situation is, what are your strengths, what are your values, and and actually throughout the reflection, throughout the uh, self-analysis, and uh, and actually, you know, not only for, for myself, but also by the help for other people like uh, therapists or coaches or other consultants, that really helps to uh, gain more clarity. Uh, then you can actually move forward without uh, that kind of huge anxiety that uh, that you are not accomplishing something something major, and uh, and I think that uh, you know having motivation from anxiety might work in the short term for like a very specific reason perhaps, but uh, as a sustainable uh, like goal achievement protocol or system, I think it's 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 just not not what works in the long term. So for me, it's uh, it's more. Uh, more of like identifying that I have like four values of of people in my life, of freedom of to work, of like impact or like positive mm -hmm. impact, uh, creating value, and then I'm looking towards you know what kind of uh, current tools I have to reach mm -hmm. that, and uh, and 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 what I already mentioned about like the numbers. So for me, it's it's not the numbers game. So I don't want to you know impact like one billion people that. For, for some persons, they are. This is like a very motivating uh, uh, goal or ambition, let's say, a vision. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it's more, more mostly about uh, what kind of you know uh, next conversation I'm having, what kind of next team I'm helping to build, mm -hmm. and and in 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 this kind of area, it's it always uh, that kind of balance game, uh, and and sometimes you know I'm I'm more of that. Uh, calm and clarity in my mind but uh, but also there are there are a lot of uh, a lot of situations where i find myself you know in in the kind of anxiety or want to rush things or want to get quicker mm -hmm. and and yeah i need to slow myself down i need to learn that patience uh, because nothing happens overnight even though that sometimes media or social media uh well formats us to think in that mm -hmm. way because we all hear these kind of success stories where something you know clicked and then we have this kind of overnight success, uh, and and of course there are sometimes, uh, but we do have like 
you know uh, i'm just uh, getting the number out of the off to the sky but you know from every one super successful story they perhaps be thousands and thousands of others unsuccessful stories or even though they are successful but they work their asses off for like a decade before they become like overnight success so yeah this kind of uh, reminders uh, for myself and all all the time like recalibrating uh, helps me and you know during my 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 talking right now i think that it's more about like like this kind of philosophical engagement mm -hmm. but uh, from a more practical perspective journaling helps me a lot uh, just putting my thoughts uh, onto the paper and 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 really seeing things from a bit different perspective in, even though i know that thinking through problems doesn't work that you can you know uh, find yourself overthinking a lot and you know i'm the <laughs> number one overthinker uh, but yeah, I, I'm still learning. I'm still uh, trying to find this kind of balance in my life. So I don't have all the answers, just some things that works for me and at, mm -hmm. at this, uh, this point of time. Mm -hmm. I, I like what you're saying. And you mentioned several important things. So from a philosophical point of view, I think it's important to have a idea. What are you striving for? And uh, to use a you know, computer science metaphor, I think a good philosophy is like a good programming framework mm -hmm. where you basically know the constraints, how you are creating software. Whereas let's say coding is the implementation, what you're actually doing with your life. And I think it, being aware of your own values and uh, it can be a good framework, essentially. And yeah, I think yeah. that and I think those values that you mentioned, like making a positive impact, freedom, taking care for your important people in life, I think can be good guiding posts. And I think it's much more sustainable to have, let's say, clear values than, let's say, clear goals. Because a very clear goal can put you in a different spot where, for example, your goal was to raise one billion and you raised half a billion so what does it mean you didn't achieve your goal i mean that doesn't make sense but you think mm -hmm. when you think that okay my goal is to expand my company and maybe do that in small steps every day so in a way you're achieving your value every day so yep. it, it, it gives you much more you know dopamine and feeling of success when you think about it. of course i mean who am i to say business people they had their own problems and you know half a billion can be detrimental whereas 1 billion can be saving uh, 1 million can be saving a company so i totally understand the reality of it but from a psychological perspective it can be difficult then another thing you mentioned is journaling so i think that's like a hygiene thing that we should do like yeah. every day like going to gym uh, having a good night of sleep so putting your thoughts on paper, it's like materializing those thoughts. And when you have this distance between what is in your head and what is in your paper, it, it becomes more clear that you are not your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I like this idea and it's a very recommended practice in, in, in my counseling work. Now, if, if you allow us to, of course, maybe you can, you, you maybe you wrote something, so maybe you would like to say something because I want to go to another topic, but I would like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, actually, you mentioned a couple of interesting things. Uh, one one keyword that I actually uh, uh, grabbing a lot in like upcoming maybe two months is dopamine. And, uh, you know, from the Huberman Lab podcast to to listening ton of different uh, different authors and reading like scientific papers of uh, how we can actually optimize dopamine. 
And it actually really, really blows my mind in, in so many areas that we uh, think that our biology is on our side, but we actually are not uh, having this kind of uh, uh, sustainable partnership. For example, one of the things that is very, very uh, popular in like a startup world, in the tech world is uh, work hard, play hard. And uh, by the definition, it's 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 really you know these kind of uh, very active or very intense dopamine experiences can uh, really mess up with uh, with all the flow of the hormones and all the flow with the chemicals in your brain. So it really uh, it shows that you know even though that such such a small things as removing the reward from time to time or you know trying to find that happiness and flow into really hard work when you need to focus a lot when you need to you know even we can sp speak about like physical training but we can also speak about mental work when you need to prepare something for example this morning i woke up at like 6 a.m something and i spent two hours of like very very focused work and i noticed my monkey brain trying to say that okay maybe take a break you know maybe go to to grab a glass of water but you know i want to focus and i want to find that fulfillment in the work itself without even having some kind of reward you know i don't uh, speaking to myself that okay i'm finishing this like focus work and i will uh, grab you know a chocolate or i will do something something as a reward uh, so really, yeah, dopamine is really interesting. I, I would actually also uh, be keen to understand how, for example, you can, uh, you know, you and your clients find that that maybe frameworks or systems, how they are using from from your as you know as an expert perspective, knowing in terms of like biology as well, uh, not only like emotions. No, great, great. I appreciate that you're asking this and. Uh... I don't want to rant too much a bit because it's still the, the focus is on you today, but I have several thoughts about it. So we sometimes forget that dopamine is not the only hormone that yeah. is important, you know, for some reason. It's, of course, related to accomplishment, to achieving something. And there is interesting research done by, by the, the same Professor Huberman, but also his colleagues that, you know, the important thing is not when we achieve something, it's the process of seeking that achievement mm -hmm. and the the greatest amount of dopamine is released in our bloodstream when we are at the moment of almost achieving it mm -hmm. but the moment you're eating that chocolate or 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 getting that partner or whatever that gives you dopamine it's when you we get that yeah. decrease you know so it's so I was uh, the, the other day I was talking to my fiance and I was saying, so basically what we could do when we think that we want, let's say a bar of chocolate, you can do everything up till that moment when you buy it and you're planning to eat it and just, okay, I'll put it away for a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and instead of getting that dump in a way, you put yourself in that hungry mode once again. Mm, so yeah, yeah. there are certain quirky things that we can do with our psychology but I think there's another idea that I I think you are indirectly touched upon is you know maybe being more conservative with our physiology and realizing that there is a certain rhythm that is created but by, by our ancient history and yeah. maybe there is some some wise way to respect that rhythm you know so for example in our ancient past we we would okay we would hunt because that would provide uh, food for, for us, for our tribe. But then there would be a moment of rest. 
and quality rest where, for example, people gather around the fire and they are sharing stories and maybe dancing around the fire and they are enjoying, they are celebrating the fact that they hunted a game, you know. So whereas now, let's say it seems that we're always in the hunting mode, hunting, 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 hunting. There's no mm -hmm. proper way to rest. And when we think about rest, when I talk to people, especially in the tech world, it seems that the rest becomes like a way to achieve dopamine. So, okay, I have a checklist. I need to wake up early. I need to, you know, take a jog. I need to go to a gym. I need to do this and that, blah, blah, blah. Then I have to go to the cinema. I have to go to the date. And then yeah. all these checklists of doing things. And once again, dopamine. But where is, where is the space for oxytocin, mm -hmm. for, for example? The love hormone, where you have quality time with your loved one and you don't rush, you don't hurry, you keep each other in your arms and just feeling that. Not sure. In that routine that we described, I don't see a lot of space for that. What yeah. about, you know, yeah. serotonin? I mean, a hormone that, uh, I mean, is related to many systems, many organs, and it's it's more about, not about accomplishment, but about happiness. So where's the space where you appreciate the environment, where you look above, you see the sky, you see the sun, you appreciate the warmth or maybe the cold. I mean, where's the moment where you, when you are jogging, instead of listening to a podcast, you're actually trying to experience the jog. So mm -hmm. these kind of yeah. moments, they can give us serotonin, but we still, we keep to this dopamine thing and then we become addicts. And when when I counsel a high, high level directors or maybe executives, at least maybe 30, 40% of my practice, almost all of them have, they are workaholics and they find it difficult to rest. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think that it's like a pandemic epidemic, you know, in our, in our community. So, yeah, so that's that would where, be my rant. Yeah. Yeah. But that's really interesting because for me, I, I also find that I, I try to learn a lot how I can uh, enable that serotonin and exocytes. And it, it really helps for me that I have two kids. So it's <laughs> like playing with them and being in present with them really helps. But what you mentioned about uh, being unable to rest and, and still thinking about the job uh, is, is something I really struggle with. So, for example, I, I know that. Uh, I know that I love my job, so it's not like I'm burned out or I'm like overwhelmed or I'm yeah. like anxiety, uh, but uh, but it's more about like having new ideas. It's it's most about like creating something, building something, thinking about different ways of how I can you know astonish my client, let's say you know, and thinking about maybe their team and how they are struggling with something, and I may maybe perhaps supporting them some way. So in, and for me, it, it, it's, you know, creating that space of doing nothing, mm. sometimes it's really hard because yeah. then you are thinking, okay, you know, uh, so what I'm doing, if not, I'm not being like productive. So maybe I need to have uh, like a productive rest, if that even makes sense, you know, maybe I need to go for that job or maybe I need to read a book. But it's still thinking about being like a productive ver version of yourself, not being like just present, just enjoying the moment. So, so, so yeah, I, I, this is, this is something that I, I, I struggle mm -hmm. for more than like maybe 10 years and it's all the time, this kind of trying to find the, the right balance. And I think that for me, it's, uh, it's much healthier balance now, especially when I, when I have kids, because before then I was working maybe like 14, 16 hours per day and don't even wow. notice it. I haven't even 
maybe like a couple of times I was close to burnout, but never I burnt out. And even though that I was close to the burnout, I was, you know, spending maybe a couple of days of rest and I'm back on track. So I'm not sure, is it kind of, you know, mm -hmm. the, 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 uh, the collection of skills that I have, or it's something that's, uh, that I was just lucky enough because I, I know a lot of persons who were just burned out and I have my own employees who are burned out like maybe three or four years ago. And then it's really hard to recover, you know, and it takes like half a year, maybe a year or even yeah. more to actually be fully on track. Let's say, you know, fully uh, like a, like a happy version of yourself. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, 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 that's mm -hmm. something that, uh, that I'm also balancing. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that you're being open about yourself and I, I only can agree to what you're saying. It's very difficult, you know, to uh, be in that present moment and uh, actually be an expert sometimes at doing nothing. Yeah, and yeah. In our society, especially in Lithuania, we are a very hardworking nation and mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's also in our, you know, genetics to, metaphorically speaking to yeah. be hardworking because it means that we will survive it's, it gives us you know that it's our survival instinct in a way and and uh, what you're saying about spending what, what you say 14 16 hours per day I mean it's a lot and you yeah. know I think that there are two perspectives and maybe sometimes those perspectives are in conflict for no reason maybe so there's one perspective that if you want to achieve something, you have to work your ass off mm -hmm. and you have to work those 14, 16, maybe more hours to achieve something. And we get then into these discussions, whether Elon Musk, for example, or the culture in his companies is sustainable. Mm -hmm. And then there is yeah. another camp who says that, okay, so if we do this every day, so you will get burnout. And I think that yeah. The, the saying, maybe it's not based on research, I don't have it at hand, but I think that the time you are in depth in terms of the hours you spend, not for yourself, but for your work, that debt will uh, go after you one day. And that debt, for example, if let's say you had to spend, let's say 100 hours for rest, yeah. you will have to spend those 100 hours, maybe with some dividends, when you become burned out. Yeah, yeah. So you can think, okay, so what's more sustainable? Maybe there are situations when you actually have to cycle through and you know be focused and in flow for a longer period of time. But then I say to my clients, so then take responsibility for that burnout. It will come and you will have to suffer through it. But then how you suffer through it? You can suffer about the suffering or you can just, or you can accept that, okay, that's burnout. It means great vacation for one year. Hurrah. Mm -hmm. So it, it comes to the perspective, you know, how you engage with that burnout. And it, maybe it's just your organism saying that, okay, let's stop a bit. Maybe it's time to, you know, reduce that debt you collected. So I always say that, you know, both approaches, you know, maybe working your ass off, maybe taking a rest are okay as long as we are aware of it and we are taking responsibility for our decisions. But occasionally, maybe even oftentimes, we don't take responsibility. We get that burnout. We think, oh, that's a sickness. And then we go to a psychologist and we want to be treated. But, you know, maybe there is a preventive way yeah. to not, not reach that destination. Yeah, I'm actually seeing a lot of people, especially in like uh, technology community, uh, where 
this kind of being workaholic is it's more like a badge of honor uh, rather than a problem and uh, and 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 yeah we can see some of the companies are already getting into the momentum and trying to see like the first initial points of maybe perhaps burnout is coming for like a certain employees uh, but they also, uh, I, in, in, in this kind of situation, I, I always like to play a devil's advocate as well. And thinking about people who are, I, I, I call them people on a mission. And, and I, I know personally, uh, in, in a lot of areas, they're mostly like founders and they are really on a mission of, of building something, uh, something remarkable. And I know, for example, some of the people for more than 10 years and they haven't had a vacation for like longer than one week. They haven't ever burnt out. They always energetic. They always like inspiring and they always work very, very hard. And what is also interesting that their like point B perhaps will not be to spend, you know, two hours in the gym every day or like uh, uh, play with the friends, but they find that fulfillment and that happiness in the, in the work that they are doing and what mm -hmm. they are actually uh, building. Of course, I don't know how they will feel after a year or after a 10 years and maybe that death that you are speaking will actually follow through and, 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 and will happen. But uh, but it's also very interesting how how different actually we are and how it really depends on like a specific person of how they are you know what kind of rest they need how much of that rest is needed uh, for maybe for one person it's already a burnout or and for other it's just a warm up and they're just getting started right so it's very very different and and yeah I find it really fascinating that kind of human factor where we don't have like a concrete answer every time. But uh, but we need to, you know, be in that growth mindset and 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 keep that open loops and and you know be open to to learn something uh, that may surprise us, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I the, the the saying that there are some people who are on a mission totally resonates with me, and having that mission really gives a lot of motivation. So, for example, if if you feel or believe that the product you're creating is Maybe it can sound narcissistic, but it will save the planet. So yeah. it gives you a totally different perspective on what you're doing and on rest and on many other things. And I, I still don't think that those people, you know, they don't get rest. Maybe it's micro resting. And uh, otherwise, I don't think that they would, um, how to say, uh, go through it. I think some overly productive people, maybe they are a bit hesitant expressing their ways of getting that rest and it can mm -hmm. be very very strange i mean you can get rest for example during flights so i know some people yeah. who are able to get uh, proper naps in flights they are able to watch <laughs> shows or whatever so it's a discover time that can give you that rest you know they are very experienced meditators who maybe sleep less but they get at least restish outcomes mm -hmm. through a very extensive periods of meditation for example mm, so cool. yeah. so what what you're saying i think that individual differences aspect it's very important and sometimes in a clinical practice a clinical psychologist who maybe have the right answer what is a good way to 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 conduct your life from a health perspective they can be biased based on what is recommended but you know there are those you know edge cases there are those you know people who who thrive on a bit different uh, different energy different different uh, yeah. habits you know but 
if if you allow us to go to a bit different topic, I feel sure. I feel that we're uh, walking around it for a while already. So we were talking about values, we were talking about individual differences, and basically the for me this is about uh, nature versus nurture. So mm -hmm. nature, our genes, our biology, what we come through. So uh, thank you, mother. Thank you, father. And then when we talk about nurture, same thing. These are people who you know provide us maybe the the framework maybe or 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 space to grow these values or become who we are. So if we go back to the early beginnings of of Thomas and and look maybe for an answer why he is the way he is, why he's able to be energetic, why he's able to be focused, why he's value driven, why he has this mission. How would you? From uh, let's see, if you were a psychologist for yourself, how would you explain your your personality? Oh wow, that's that's actually a tough one. Uh, that's actually one of the main questions that I am currently going through therapy. So it's also uh, understanding more about myself, so I can I can you know at least to be conscious about my behavior. Uh, but also, so we don't take uh, one hour of my monologue just explaining stuff that I found during this process. Uh, but I think a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, like formation of my personality was based on achievements and and uh, like productivity and performance. It has a lot of negative sides of that, but it also gives that positive uh, tool for me to uh, to operate in the world. And uh, and and what I mean for from like productivity side or from achievement side, it's it's from like being good at school and and having good grades. But it's a lot about about athletics and about sports. Mm. Uh, so so I was uh, the member of Lithuania national youth team. I was uh, uh, exercising and and training, you know, at least two or three hours every day, and having uh, sometimes even two trainings per day having like just one day rest per week and 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 actually uh, doing that in the community of very supportive colleagues uh, so so i think that uh, being able to uh, see the progress to actually try to reach a very specific very concrete goal when in athletics especially in running in my case it is in milliseconds so you have like a as concrete goal as you can possibly have so you have like i need to run faster than x seconds and yeah. that's it and and you all have this kind of laser focus you are trusting your trainer you're trusting your other people who are supporting you you are you know, trying to master the technique of the running. Mm -hmm. I was running hurdles. So it is also like a very specific technique, how you should attack the hurdle and how you can, you know, overcome it, the obstacle. So it's not jumping. It's more about having a specific movement with your legs and with all your body. So you are, you know, uh, attacking the hurdle as fast as possible, because if you will jump, so you will spend a lot of time jumping and landing so you need to be very, uh, very fast running through the hurdle rather than, you know, jumping on it. Uh, so all these kind of little things and little uh, techniques and little details help me to understand the value of really hard work, of, of, of consistency. A lot of that based on consistency. So you are not that kind of overnight success uh, after just one training. You know that you need to spend hours and hours uh, and like hundreds of hours of training, of mm. running, so you are able to achieve a specific form. Uh, so yeah, that really helped me. And and, and I think that uh, being open to growth and being open to experiment uh, also led me to uh, run a couple of uh, like 
IT development projects in my teenage years. So with some of our friends, we ran some blogs and we uh, we provided like web development services that is very like funny looking from from current perspective of what we are building. But uh, but well, it was like a first steps of experimentation of always being that kind of curious state of mm. mind that, you know, maybe this is interesting. We should, you know, find out something about it or maybe that is interesting. Let's experiment. Let's test, you know, if it works great. If it doesn't, let's try another thing. So I think that all this 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 kind of structures help me to form the the, the personality that I'm currently mm. at in a nutshell. So yeah, mm. sure. Yeah, I, I think that you uh, missed the most uh, important part where you said that that one hour monologue. But I I appreciate still <laughs> what you're saying because that part I think it has the the most important answers. But still, what you're saying is important. So one thing uh, is sports. I think that, uh, and from my counseling practice, I noticed it as well. People who have experience with sports in very early age, they are much more resilient. Mm -hmm. uh, they are not only physically resilient, but also psychologically resilient. And when you prepare yourself, let's say, for a battle in a way every day, like for three hours, I'm sure that it can give you that dedication and persistency and discipline. So I think that's very important. Now, still there's a question why Thomas did end up doing sports so maybe there was some inspiration maybe uh or maybe uh, any other factor that you that put you into that place the same with it development you know so yeah. being curious it doesn't come from nowhere you know so and any explanation for that i think that uh, uh this is also one of the things is experimentation but uh, but also for for sports let's say uh, so my dad just, mm. you know, because just said that, you know, because for me, I was uh, from like a very, very early age, I was uh, fascinated about basketball, like probably all the Lithuanians at some point of time do. So and, and I thought that running is just boring, you know, so it's me like eight years old Thomas speaking, you know, <laughs> that, that sometimes, you know, running is boring, you know, why you should run, you know. Uh, basketball was much more exciting but then my dad said you know just try it out you know just experiment and see how it fits you know go for a couple of training see how it's how you feel and and so I tried and I find found that very supportive community and I found new friends and that actually helped me to 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 be consistent and after a while I I found the love of running and find love of uh, exercising and working out in that in that area and uh, for technology, it's also about like very, very simple curiosity. And and what you mentioned, the nature plus uh, nurture. So for me, being the being the curious guy in the room is it's 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 something that I probably born with. So it's something that that I really have in my nature. I'm really fascinating about a lot of random stuff. And 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 for example. Uh, well, well, currently a part of the dopamine that we mentioned. So now, for example, I, I, I am reading about like, uh, uh, like special forces and uh, like intelligence agents and sure. how they are running their interview process. So just that's, that's your to... old, that's your old age speaking already. <laughs> when you come older, we start digging into history yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. intelligence. Yeah, that's crazy, right? That's crazy. But now I find that, for example, one of the random things that I was very skeptical about the MBTI testing, these kind of 16 personalities. And I, yesterday I just found out like uh, CAA and some of the biggest <laughs> intelligence agents in the world actually use that test. 
So I was shocked, you know, I was very skeptical, but then they have like different options. So yeah, this kind of topics that I'm fascinating and, and it changes, you know, throughout the year, I have at least a couple of this kind of phases where I'm uh, reading about something very, very random. Uh, but yeah, you know, anything that relates with health, like fasting or, or, or oh, wow. meditation. So it's also, that's, uh, something that i i run through mm. but yeah yeah just to uh conclude the answer about about uh this kind of curiosity and 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 getting into sports and also mm-hmm. getting into technologies is yeah just trying stuff out and then seeing that okay it is something that i really like because i tried uh a lot of things because i was since i was like an athlete i was surrounded by different uh different people who are in sports from like trainers and and sport psychologists so I was thinking about myself, maybe I want to become a trainer, like athletics trainer. So I end mm. up being a trainer, just a different one. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, I was, you know, also fascinating about like biology and, and, and biomechanics and how our body moves and how we can move maybe faster and become stronger. And, and, and yeah, but, you know, I try that, uh, I experimenting with that and I saw that maybe it's not the way, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the experimentation and testing is, uh, it's, it's something that really sticks with me for, for, for years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I totally appreciate the idea of curiosity be, being something that we maybe are born with. And there are certain, you know, personality traits that they are more temperamental. So mm-hmm. if you're aware of a big five personality model, mm-hmm. so it's, exactly, it's, yeah. it's, it's like, it's much more scientific than MBTI, MBTI. Although I would be skeptical if, uh, to hear if CIA is using it because it's too complex. So they, they lean to more simple things, I guess. So MBTI, yeah. uh, big five model basically is, uh, a, a, a model of five personality traits that can be remembered with the acronym OCEAN. So mm-hmm. O stands for openness to experience, then conscientiousness or extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And basically these, uh, if you're interested, you can totally dig into this. These personality traits were developed by looking at the language that people are using to describe each other. And essentially, then they did a statistical analysis, factor analysis specifically, and they noticed that certain words get together more often than others. And by doing this analysis from natural language, it's like early NLP, early natural language processing in a way. Oh, that's cool. They noticed that, okay, so there are certain five traits. Others disagree. They say that they are more, but they are basically the most important ones. And what you're describing, that curiosity part is related to openness to experience. And in other words, our openness to experiencing new things, new ideas, trying trying things out, being open, doing things about it. So a lot of artists are high on openness to experience, also more liberal people. So there's that ideological aspect as well. So it's interesting, you know, so what you're saying, and I totally agree that it can be temperamental. Now, I also found curious about those random things. You said that you were listening about CIA. I think that you're referring to a specific podcast. Was it like Lex Fridman with Andrew Bustamante? Uh, was it actually, this one that yeah, you it, listened? It is Lex, uh, and he has a couple of of interesting people. Also, there was like KGB agent, like former yeah. one that yeah. also sp- spoke about like Cold War and experiences that. So yeah, I I, I also the fan of Lex. Got it. 
and and yeah <laughs> that's that guy, a good catch. He's, yeah he's popular in the tech world so yeah so that 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 guy that former CIA agent Andrew Bustamante those who are interested uh, feel free to listen to that podcast it's, it was fascinating you know when he said that they are using MBTI I was really blown out because in, Same, in my yeah. <laughs> in my early counseling practice I mean not counseling practice in my early years then I was studying psychology it was like in 2012 I was aware of MBTI and there was even like a portal I think that it's today in Lithuania as well it's like characters.info yeah, and, yeah. and back in the day they would like have a, um, a dating part as well so you would be able oh, to do okay you would yeah. be able to do the test cross-selling right I like it <laughs> and essentially you would you can go to the social part of the site and find people who have a similar type so actually it, it was there it's like it was before 2010 9 something like that you know so i, I was even able to find several girlfriends at the time when oh, i was yeah. in school yeah. <laughs> so it works nice it, it, it helped actually it helped although the problem is that later on when i was studying psychology i learned that it, it is totally unscientific not enough research not enough analysis that those types are they are too much of abstractions and they mm. just it's like astrology you know so basically this is the idea that i had for a while then i read a bit of jung i realized that jung inspired it so it then gave more credibility but i still felt that mbti is for the corporate world and it's it's not science not serious but yeah. when they said that they are using in cia for their operation i felt okay maybe i'm missing something <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah and well you know I, after listening that i from for me i made the conclusion that it's probably just helpful to get to get uh, at least some kind of guidelines you know so for example you know you are interviewer and i am like a potential agent you know and it's easier for you to uh you know scan me and say that okay thomas is more this less that more this less that so i can you know format some kind of personality so mm -hmm. it will be easier for me make a quick decision like rather than you know having tons of individual conversations and trying to make that kind of you know profile of yours so i think it's just like in in a matter of making quick decisions so it's not always the better decision but it's exactly. just a faster one so yeah. you can you know make a test spend one hour answering questions and then you get some kind of you know four letter uh combination so of course it's not 100 scientific or 100 true but it maybe helps just to make better decisions and so, as we have like in in teams you know in, in companies we have some kind of decisions making frameworks so it will be just faster and sometimes faster is it's more valuable than having like 100 true so it's better to run faster but have like 80 percent something but mm -hmm. then you are you know uh, actually performing it today rather than after a week or after a month when in technology mm -hmm. after a month might be too late yeah i mean it's always the the question of context and the goal you are using a certain methodology and i think that mbti the simplicity of it uh, putting people in 16 types you know i think it it can help you know get approximation and get that quick feedback and you know use that feedback to adapt to a conversation so yeah for them i appreciate it it can make sense although it can be manipulative in a way but uh, from a scientific perspective let's say you're creating a actual system where trying to understand the nuances in people and trying maybe to create a motivational system how let's say a compensation and benefit should work in a company i think yeah. it's much more wise to 
to dig into those more scientific models and not rely too much on those, you know, uh, astrological maybe methodologies that are useful in the moment, but maybe not necessarily are useful for, you know, for, for nuance. So yeah, I yeah. totally get what you're saying. So getting to the family thing. So essentially what you're saying that on the one hand, there is in, 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 at, at the core, there is a curious person, curious Thomas from the get-go. But at the same time, it seems that there were some nudges, some motivations from growing up, let's say from doing good at school, maybe getting some advice uh, from your parents and then being accomplished. And then you get into that positive loop where you, your personality reinforces itself in a way throughout yeah, life. Yeah. But still, you know, if you allow me, I did some analysis on you as well. I did my intelligent stuff and I found a very interesting quote on your Facebook wall and uh, I translated it into English. Mm -hmm. And if it's okay for you, I would like to read it and get your take on it. And I think it would also explain the psychology of Thomas, okay? Okay. So you, you will let me know. Uh, you will let me know about yeah. it, okay? Okay, so the quote starts. Um, just let me check. Want to see you while reading it? Good. Okay. So this is the quote. Who could, who could be happier than us raising such a good child? A child who, it seems, needed to be raised. Impressed were our friends and family who asked, how did we raise you? We feel that we haven't done anything to make you who you are now. You were always with us, listened to our conversations, asked questions, expressed admiration about the accomplishments of your friends. We are proud that you are someone who is mature, real, and dedicated to help our people. We trust your opinion, decisions, and choices. We want to express a huge respect for your activities and ideas that constitute the basis of your life. Happy birthday, son. We love you and miss you. That was written in 2016 by your mother, if I'm correct. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so when you when you hear us from a third perspective in a way, what, what ideas come to your mind about this Thomas who is described in this description? Yeah, so I think that uh, in, in a lot of ways, especially in my early development, was the impact and influence of my parents that were extremely supportive uh, of, of any kind of endeavors I was up to, uh, even though some, some of them may, might seem crazy. So, for example, after, uh, after my university, after my bachelor's, I, I left for, to live in Malaysia, so to another part of the world. And of course, you know, it, it's from like a parent perspective, uh, especially being one, uh, I think it's, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, more or less crazy or just, you know, just leave everything you were building and, you know, get to that kind of adventure. But on the other side, you know, uh, you don't have uh, much, uh, much commitments, you know, many different commitments that you can uh, rely on so so yeah that kind of support from my parents was uh, amazing and 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 I think that uh, the love and the support really uh, helped uh, me to develop as as you know the, the person I am today so yeah it's uh, it's really nice to to hear that from the past mm -hmm. is it sensitive for you to hear these words yeah yeah I think it's always sensitive when uh, when mm -hmm. we are speaking about like close uh, people that mm -hmm. you know our family and the people that we love mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I totally feel you. And when I was reading this quote before our conversation, I, myself, I even got a bit sensitive, you know. I felt that I was even crying a bit because, you know, when I read about this, I I feel the suffering of all the clients that went through my practice, even the suffering of myself and the importance of having those, you know, supportive parents because many of people who I meet, they don't have supportive parents. And even in their grown-up adult years, when they are in their 40s even, they don't get that support. And I think that's a very big problem, yeah. especially in our cohort that are maybe in, in our 30s and who grew up in Lithuania, for example, who, let's say, maybe not always had those supportive parents. But from what I hear and read, it seems that you had those parents. And I think that it's really important and appreciate to 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 use this moment to appreciate it because it's it it reduces a lot of unnecessary suffering in a way. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So speaking also about those random things, I I still fascinated about your personality, and I think that it's also another topic that we are going around and you know. If I, if I haven't read your Facebook profile, I feel that I, I wouldn't even ask you this, and I'm not sure if you would even describe it. So I learned that you also have experience with fire performance. Yes, yeah, yeah, I do have. Yeah. I mean, fire performance, so I'm, I'm not aware of it. I'm only, you know, I've seen it, but I don't have the words to explain what it is. So maybe you can explain what the hell is fire performance. And yeah. and why is Thomas fascinated about fire? What what is going on? Uh, yeah, that, that's actually I, I appreciate you digging it the, the the Facebook profile. It's 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 one of the things that I haven't updated for a while. But yeah, fire is is actually uh, one of pa passion of mine. Uh, and uh, well, fire performance. It's, is, it's, it's sorry, Thomas. Thomas, yeah. fire is a passion of mine. It, it can give you interesting thoughts when you hear this. Yeah, sure. Yeah, out of the context, right? So the context matters. Yeah, so the fire performance in a nutshell is just you know juggling and uh, with different tools uh, that uh, that burn and 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 trying not to burn yourself and in the meantime creating some kind of spectacular uh, view for for the viewer. And it may may include different uh, different tools such as uh, you know sticks and mm -hmm. and. Uh, uh, sparrows and 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 knives and a lot of yeah. different uh, things like poi dancing and 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 triangles and stuff. So it's a bit different, difficult for me to explain it in words. So it's more of visual thing. Yeah. So I'm putting now a visual for people to see okay, who are on awesome. YouTube. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, so yeah, yeah. As you can see, it's it's pretty visual and uh, and and yeah, I I really love the also the the experience and and the ability to do something that not so many people are able to do or mm -hmm. not so many people are able to touch <laughs> mm -hmm. let's say and and yeah it's uh, like different uh different side of my personality whereas it's, it's 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 more about like uh like massive uh wild energy and 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 it's more about also uh being lost in that flow and of course, the mastery part of this also very fascinates me because if you are able to perform at specific level and you're able to improvise and you're able to get to that junglet flow, it's also hours and hours of training, which I find really, really interesting and 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 
I, I, I was, you know, much more uh, into that uh, before, before kids also, mm. uh, because it's very night related jobs. You know, you are performing at night in the midnight uh, all around the Lithuania or, or in other countries. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's something that I, 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 I feel very nostalgic about and I'm still thinking about uh, sometimes going, you know, in some kind of performances because now currently I am the fire performer uh, where, which uh, they call when they need some kind of uh, like mm. a unique random approach to the performance. So it's not for like uh, learn the dance and dance it. For me, it's since I have the experience, it's more about, you know, Thomas, we need like improvisation regarding this. Can you do that? Okay, let's do it. So like my last engagements was uh, where with, uh, with uh, Kona's 2022. So mm -hmm. the cultural, uh, so the opening events, you know, and, and, and where you need some kind of unique approach when you need, you know, create something maybe on the spot, you need to react quickly. Mm. and everything is surrounded with fire so that's that quick decision it's <laughs> it's really appreciated fascinating so how old were you when you get into into this activity uh so maybe uh 25 perhaps 25 also oh, not not so long ago right yeah 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 actually yeah i was active actively uh participating in maybe like two to three years and mm -hmm. then i got kids and it it slowed down I a little see. bit so I, you know, currently, you know, in the last year I had, as, as I'm joking, like maybe four to five performances per year. So since I started, I sometimes in one weekend, I got like five performances and now I have five performances in a year, but I love, I like that because it's really, uh, actually really, really hard to, to, to train. It's really hard to perform, especially if you have like three performances per one night. So imagine that you are performing, you are you know, giving all of you the all the energy and all the all the strength you have, and then after a couple of hours you're performing again, and you need to be that you know as fresh as possible. And and people who are seeing you, they're seeing you at the first time, and they they don't care that it's your third performance. They you know they are ex they are, you know expecting you to perform at your highest level. And I found it kind of uh, similar to my job as a consultant, for example, mm -hmm. and perhaps in your case as well. You know, you can have maybe uh, like a fifth or sixth conversation per day. But for that person, it's the only one conversation they are experiencing and they are, you know, going all in into that. So yeah, it's it's about probably the professionalism and, and, and the experience that gets them. I really like your last point. I mean, and I think that all people should engage with their work in such a way, especially if they are working with people and realizing, for example, if you're, okay, you're working at a bank and you're consulting people, mundane stuff, doing repetitive things, you know, opening a bank account, closing a bank account, blah, blah, blah. I mean, same thing, you know, the person maybe comes between work and their lunch gap or, you know, hour and they are maybe agitated and they just need to fix that thing, let's say, and they waited, they registered, they waited to, to be accepted at a bank and you come into... And you know, and you are, you'd say, let's say, accepted by, you know, grim face or sad face who yeah. doesn't care about you. But still, I mean, it's your maybe one and only visit per year, maybe per two years when you go to a bank, where, for example, you can do it online right now. So the same thing, I think, with training, with counseling, getting that mindset that for every team, for every person you're counseling or training, always had this mindset that it's your maybe 
uh, this is the the first and maybe last time you will the the, the team maybe or the client will see you that day yeah. and for them it's important to know that they're investing their efforts and and passion in it they are coming to that training or session so totally like the idea and speaking of also fire performance uh, we we talked about it from like uh, I was wowed by it, but still I think it's important to talk about the side effects. So any negative consequences of doing this full time for for you as the artist? Uh, for me personally, not. I was really you know, fortunate enough. Yeah, yeah. Actually, no, no kind of even short term consequences because okay. actually it is well, it it is dangerous, of course. Uh, but let's say it is not as dangerous as it may look uh, mm. if you are really skilled at that. So, for example, the organization that uh, I am training and I'm uh, the part of uh, spend a lot of time training and really testing the performance yeah. before they let them even touch the fire. So you are training with with the uh, with the tools, uh, you know that that they are specifically designed for practice so they have this kind of softer spots when you can hit your head and you know don't go to to the ambulance for that uh, and you have this kind of uh lean into the it, it, it easy a bit easier and once you actually are very skilled then you know you are uh mastering like in 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 isolation just one part of the performance mm. so maybe it's just like one dance from maybe like 15 dances or that are happening in this kind of maybe half an hour and uh, and yeah you are practicing a lot and then you are you are doing that of course i'm not uh, talking about like burnt skin that i have a couple of scars you know okay. a couple of scars like this and there or like burn her hair uh, that happens sometimes that's but nothing you know, yeah that's it's actually small yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah it's actually small things you know and and yeah, may, maybe even as far as I remember from all my like let's say career in the fire performances, I I know a couple of uh, of like a bit bigger uh, issues when you have maybe you know you are you are getting the fire in your face for example, and it's a bit sensitive, right? When you are burning your hand and when you're burning your face area, so this kind of uh, uh, things happen. Uh, but for me, I'm I'm fortunate and I'm happy enough don't so i don't have any kind of mm. major injuries it's actually similar with like athletics i know people who are like broken legs and, <laughs> and, and 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 having this kind of injury so i'm happy that i i avoided that at least amazing yeah i think it's also a, i think you're touching something about the professionalism aspect i think there is that boundary that you shouldn't cross however professional you are and if you respect those boundaries of the art whether it's sports whether it's yeah. training for a sport of course occasional things happen and no, no one is you know uh, saved from uh, trauma physical or psychological but still i think there is some control and if you are mindful about what you're doing the the, the risk is less would you agree yeah, uh, one thing that resonated with me a lot when you uh, when when you are sharing is, you know, before uh, it's not the exact quote, but I just using it. Before mm. you can break the rules, you need to master the rules, yeah. and it really makes sense for me because, in, like, maybe like ten years ago, I was thinking that okay, there are rules, so they meant to be broken, and let's <laughs> be rabble about it. 
but uh, especially during the years when you when, when I'm noticing that the rules are there for a reason, for example, even you're going through, I don't know, let's say agile transformation, right? So yeah. there are specific rules how you should, you know, establish, let's say, scrum in your software development processes. And once you're actually mastering the rules and same with like fire performances, if you know the, the exact fundamentals and you actually master the rules, then you're able to improvise a little bit there. You are able to move a needle in some like specific area. You are able to experiment or risk, you know, maybe a little bit more because you have that experience under the belt. You know how to experiment and same goes with the trainings. You know, I do have my own frameworks or my own like tools, how I'm working with a group of people that almost all of the time there is some small part that i am risking a little bit you know yeah. i'm experimenting with something you know perhaps the client don't even notice it because if if, if, if it goes well right and sometimes it doesn't go well and maybe those kind of five percent of like my content is is uh you know risky in some way and it's flopped out and it doesn't work but then we have 95 percent that worked perfectly fine so it's uh, still a great can you give an outcome. example of that risk maybe the last risk you did during your trainings sure yeah uh, in most of the cases my risk goes with uh, deciding how deep or how provocative i want to go with the group so sometimes you know the group is really keen to go deeper and keen to actually speak about uncomfortable questions okay. you know for example we have a team and we have maybe some kind of conflicting people in the team and mm -hmm. it's really requires that courage and that openness to you know saying that okay guys i know i i noticed something let me share and let's see how we can work about around that so this kind of risk i'm taking for example sometimes uh, and and if 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 sharing like a recent example maybe like two or three weeks ago i was mm -hmm. working with a group of developers uh, so uh, for the context, the majority of my clients are technology companies and I'm working mostly with like uh, middle managers and team leads. So I, I, I have this group of developers who are not like all of them are team leads. Sometimes some, some of them are just, you know, specialists, professionalists. And, uh, and yeah, I, I noticed that in some areas I wanted to go deeper and then I got this kind of like psychological block that's, uh, and, you know, like an, even some, some negative feedback that, you know, it's, it's going too deep, you know, we don't need that. And, uh, and yeah, for me, that, that kind of experiences was more about that. Okay. This group not, do not need like a huge mental shift or huge change. They need to uh, right now. Play. Yeah. Right now. Yeah maybe they need play a little bit you know maybe they need this kind of easier uh go mm. to that because for me as i as i sometimes joke with my clients you know i, I said that you know when i come to work with you we will probably don't uh you know act in some specific uh way we don't uh, play theater we don't you know uh, play with the balls or or you know juggle something but we will go deeper you know we will go on on specific topics we will uncover some uncomfortable maybe areas and uh, that the group needs to be prepared for that let's say mm -hmm. so yeah so i'm experimenting experimenting with this and in in most of the cases it really works sometimes even that the group is perhaps you know from the very first time don't want to go deeper but then you are you know warming it up there a little bit and then they're saying okay maybe we can experiment with that maybe we can test that okay let's do that and it's easier when you are when you know for example in my case i'm like an external consultant so it's easier to be open for me because i do not have any intentions for them you know i don't need them to make specific decision you know i don't need them to to be uh the persons in a certain way you know i i'm just uh 
being open to them and letting them be themselves. So it's also mm -hmm. this kind of interesting dynamic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what, what you're describing, uh, the two things that I feel important, and I hope that we will cover both. So I'm really curious about uh, your experience of working with uh, tech people, because that's my specialty as well. Although it seems that you're working more with teams and I'm working working more with individuals. So we should definitely get into this topic. But before that, uh, I feel that for listeners who are maybe not aware of trainings in general, it can be a bit confusing what you're describing. For me, in my words, what you're describing, I would name it facilitation, maybe team coaching moments, where, for example, you come with a team that has maybe a problem and uh, uh, the team is not sure how to solve that problem. And that problem can be, let's say, maybe certain communication issues, maybe certain conflicts, maybe even certain inabilities to achieve goals, maybe productivity or whatever. And then a team coach or facilitator helps with communication where it is important to talk and talk openly as much as possible. And there are situations when people, they, as you say, they don't want to, but maybe they are not prepared to, maybe they don't feel safe. And then the coach has to create that safe environment and etc. But that's how I interpret it. But maybe you would you can explain your approach uh, of your consultancy practice, what ag exactly you do, and I think would be important to understand how does it maybe differ from other things because that's also a problem that I would like to discuss is the lack of standards. What makes a good trainer? And for some for some people it can sound romantic. But for others, it can be unprofessional in a way. So, mm -hmm. so that tech part, let's leave it a bit for later. Please maybe explain your approach and maybe if you have any ideas about the professionalism of trade training industry, that would be great as well. Yeah, so what you explained about uh, team coaching, I think that it really uh, hits the hits the bullseye. Uh, and I believe that, you know, for me, as, as I sometimes explain my work, it's that uh, sometimes, uh, you know, clients pay me that so I have better answers that they have. So it's consulting, you know, I know, like, for example, they are struggling with, uh, with some kind of systems in the team or like performance. And then I come, I reflect, I analyze, I identify the problems. I, you know, uh, consult them, advise them, you know, mm -hmm. you need to do this and you should do that and that it will solve it. Uh, it really helps for me that I was the team manager myself. I, I, I built technology. I led like international teams of developers, uh, engineers. So I know firsthand what they're experiencing. And, you know, as, as a joke, you know, I have that kind of war stories to tell and, and, and battles that I went through. So that's one part. And the second part is what you explained already about the team coaching is that I have better questions that they have. So mm. in terms of, you know, asking better questions, so this kind of answers or questions is what the team needs. And sometimes in the team coaching uh, area or the context, it's not the answer that they are looking for to get from me. It's more about this kind of facilitation about creating a space to insight to occur. So it's more about, you know, asking the right question about facilitating about like navigating the, the the room and navigating the group that we can go together and in in some areas and and especially working with other consultants that are more experienced with me and learning from them 
is it's also about like the the social power because as a consultant sometimes you find yourself like being a bit uh, a bit higher because you have the answers and you are just like a teacher giving the answers to the group uh, but in the team coaching it's more about partnership and for me it's about like thinking and decision making partnership than where i am not uh, that kind of you know uh, uh, jokingly leader who is you know raising the flag and, and going the first but I'm more about uh, like a navigator that is sitting near a driver and I'm you know having the map perhaps but I'm you know working together uh, and collaborating so we can go through that journey together so it's uh, it's not that I have all the all the answers and mm. perhaps in in especially in like the team coaching sessions the the outcome might be very different than any of the participants uh, expected including myself mm -hmm. and that's really what fascinates me and and i i'm really uh happy to have this uh this balance because sometimes i have groups when i'm consulting and i'm you know saying that okay uh, we have like team dynamics framework or we have like situational leadership or we have like uh, maybe coaching conversations and we are going through specific templates just specific frameworks uh, on how to uh, participate in one activity or another and then of course we have like a team coaching where maybe we have some kind of situations we're discussing maybe we have like a cases that we want to identify yeah. and and you know working through that so yeah that that is that is the work that i am doing and when it comes to the standards I think that's with uh, with coaching and with consulting. The problem is that the bar to entry is very low, but the bar to succeed is very high. And what does it mean? It means that it is probably the easiest thing is to call yourself a coach because we currently have so many different coaches, you know. And and there is, even though the the coaching is uh, is a specific. A tool or a framework uh, people call themselves like a finance coach orgasm coach uh, i don't know like any kind of coaches they are uh, like happiness and, and and stuff so that's great you know i think that people are uh, you know exploring different areas of how they can support each other that's fine but uh, the standard is it's it's wildly different uh, because mm -hmm. you can have like uh, one coach who are you know changed your life and the other coach that you are feeling you just uh, waste your money and uh, and yeah i think uh, the lack of standard is a bit of the problem from from like choosing perspective so the client chooses the consultant and they're uh, they are you know trying to trying to wait that kind of different maybe experiences maybe certificates maybe like uh, like academic uh, uh, accomplishments or or like what what you're actually coming from uh, so yeah but just so, okay yeah. to, to stop you but i think yeah. it's important uh, yeah it resonates uh, what you're saying and i think it's important to differentiate between coaching and training and when it comes to coaching i think that the situation that's much better right now at least in my subjective experience so we have a fair number of relatively well prestigious associations yeah. that provide accreditation so one of them it's like the giant is international coach federation then we have european mentoring and coaching council we now even have british psychological society that uh, recently i think one year ago developed a division for coaching psychology where 
psychologists who are specializing in coaching have also representation. So I think that awesome. we, we have interesting association. We have an accreditation process. I think it's becoming much more popular and popular. And I noticed that even more agile coaches are getting into this field. They realize mm -hmm. that it's not enough to take a two-day course. And it's important to go through that maybe a bit of longer journey of training, getting feedback, being supervised, being mentored, uh, getting your uh, session recordings uh, uh, feedback and, and whatever. So I think that's a much better situation. Now, of course, when it comes to the word itself, sure, you, if let's say you think that you can help people with orgasms, you can call yourself an orgasm coach. And maybe that's yeah. a problem that the word is not protected. Or maybe it can be romantic, but still it can be a problem and it gives maybe some, some, it's, it's, it's difficult sometimes for a person who is not in, in the industry maybe to differentiate between, let's say, a coach, a ICF coach, a coaching psychologist yeah. for, for him or I her. I think it's just a low-hanging fruit. Same. Yeah, as, as a term, it's just low-hanging fruit. If you yeah. don't know how to call yourself, let's, you know, you just call yourself a coach and, and just go. Just but Thomas, to, but to challenge you, but I think the same is with trainer. And this is where mm -hmm. I want to yeah. hear your thoughts. So I see you as someone who is a, a, a young, ambitious person who managed somehow to sell trading to the tech market in Lithuania. I think that's a, that's definitely an accomplishment because from my experience, uh, tech people were always skeptical about trainers and what they provide and their knowledge. And maybe the key difference uh, of you is that you spent several times in a tech company and you get got that experience, whereas many trainers, they just come and feel that anything goes, you know, it worked with a uh, sales yeah. team in a oil company maybe it will work with techies but that's that's not the case usually so so you what what do you think about that in my understanding and 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 maybe i'm wrong i want to be wrong the lack of accreditation certification maybe specific aspects that make a good training i think trainer i think that's even a worse problem because training is still more popular than coaching so how would you analyze this problem maybe there are some solutions yeah, so, uh, well, I'm tackling one thing after another. Yeah. So, yeah, of course, for, first of all, lack of, of the, the accreditation of the, like credentials or having like a official one official system, uh, it is, it is, I think, a problem because we don't, uh, well, we, we don't have the clear view on how we can actually compare like one trainer to another. But uh, what I have noticed uh, working with clients is that in a lot of cases, it's not the leading domino when it comes to deciding or uh, to work with another trainer or not. It's more about like really uh, feeling each other in a, in a certain way of like using the vocabulary and actually uh, understanding how to solve a specific problem. Now, the the other thing that is really relates with that is the people who are like let's say trainers or they are like a consultants or like a facilitators you name it uh, like just working with the groups and they have like a profound experience working with some kind of other groups of people they are perhaps like a sales professionals or uh, other managers in different industries and they think that the same principles applies and in some cases it does for example let's say uh, let's say feedback right let's grab just another random skill right or or the framework of course you can have uh 
like a similar feedback framework that you can use for like a sales professional and the other day you can run the same training. So Thomas, for to like stop you developers. a bit, how, just to challenge you once again, yeah. how would you, okay, I totally hear what you're saying, but let's say that we're talking not necessarily about feedback as an abstract concept, we talk about code reviews. Mm -hmm. And if let's say a trainer has never even heard of such term and maybe doesn't know how it's done and what are the problems associated with code yeah. reviews let's say maybe the i mean you name it there there are many problems and maybe some of those problems are related to feedback in general where for example people spend too much time on giving the negatives not spending enough time on giving the positives or maybe when there there's so little time for doing a proper code review you just do it you know without proper motivation you know so maybe there are certain motives that come from the general problem of feedback but still there is nuance you know there is the nature of how you do a code review there is the circumstance of when and how you do it and there is the process of uh who does it and who doesn't i mean there's maybe i'm a nuance fetish maybe that's a problem but i still sometimes feel that there's not enough appreciation for the experience uh, of your particular client and this is i guess where i'm trying to nail down the problem yeah and actually the nuances i think it what what separates like a good training from great mm. so you can have like good enough training mm. uh, that would probably check the boxes that okay we participated in training and we learned a couple of things about like x topic let's say feedback but uh, but I think the, the nuances is what really makes them different. And the nuances is actually what, what I get from my clients as a positive feedback is that, you know, from even such a thing that, you know, I'm able to make the same jokes and I understand language and I know what does it mean to be disengaged in like sprint retrospective or what does it mean to have maybe 14 priorities in your backlog and you have no freaking clue which one you should choose you know because they all are important so all these kind of different small small things uh actually stacks up and and and, and differentiates because for me as i said that of course there are some tools that i'm using but the majority uh stuff that i'm sharing with my clients comes from that my direct experience and i'm able to share my cases you know where i failed you know where i succeeded what what kind of things worked with my teams with my clients you know what doesn't work and it really helps to have that kind of depth and especially in the last couple of years i i counted that in in this kind of uh, group setting i already worked with like 800 plus team managers team leads in technology companies so it's not random people that are actually experiencing very similar things even you're you know building vpn you are developing a blockchain project you are maybe like uh, focusing on any kind of other technology like artificial intelligence mm. i am like from artificial intelligence area so it's it it could be like different technology but there are things that are like the same and there are things that uh, relates with humans but with mm -hmm. humans who are you know performing in technology area exactly. and it's actually you know it's it's different i i you know I, one of the things that i i like to to share as well in a couple of maybe during the summer probably i worked with one logistics company in lithuania probably one of the biggest uh, and uh, and uh, I, I not get to name culture. names yeah yeah uh, but I got that a bit cultural shock uh, because mm. they weren't tech people they was they, they were like a different levels of management so they were like 
uh, line managers and like departments managers. So there are people from managing like three people and 300 people. Yeah. Uh, and I got this cultural shock, not because of the, the, the differences between the employees and the, the participants, but because it's just completely different area, even though that I work with like Tesco and, and their logistics optimization, uh, building the software, but uh, it's completely different, right? So I am sharing the same tools maybe, but, uh, but I, I, I noticed myself that I lack the edge, you know, and then the, when the training becomes just good enough for me. And mm -hmm. then later on, I work with my other clients who are who is like a technology companies or startups, and I see that the edge is there. You know, mm -hmm. I, I I understand them. I really feel them. I understand their pain because yeah. I experience the same pain. So so it's it's completely different game. And 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 what I see in, in like in Lithuania, especially market, I see that some of the consultants, also not to name names, but they're trying to grasp that technology money. And they're thinking mm. that if I worked 10 plus years training salespeople, now I will, I will work and train like software engineers. Dude, it just not works like that. You know, you cannot just click and change the domain and at that uh, level and, and expect that it will bring the same result. I am I, all up for people playing on their strengths and perhaps mm. you are amazing sales trainer or you are amazing leadership coach. But, you know, each of us can find their own edge and find where they are performing the best and they're creating the best value for people because for me it really you know grins my gears when uh, when i hear people who are uh, saying that okay i am the consultant for technology companies mm -hmm. and for example i have this training for team leads who are working with engineers who are developing software we will go into different agile practices. And then you are reading about the consultant, you're reading about their experiences. And you say that, for example, they have like, okay, 10 years of maybe experiences in consulting. And uh, in, 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 in the past, they worked for like, I know, bank, you know, and, and, and for finances, or they maybe worked for some kind of, yeah, oil company or whatever, right? Random, random things. And you see that, you know, for me, it would be the same that I never worked with salespeople. And now that mm. I will say that, okay, Thomas is the sales guy, right? I will I will help you to sell better, to sell better, even though that I am not uh, good at sales myself, right? So this kind of dissonance is what's, uh, what mm. really, you know, what really, uh, you know, establishes that problem that we don't have yeah. like a standard, some kind of, and it's really wild, wild west at this point when it comes to consulting. You know, separating from the coaching, who really I think, and I agree with you at uh, that we have certifications, we have established strong communities, we have like uh, like standard, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, two things. I think there you're hitting the nail. So, uh, if if you allow me to summarize this this particular bit, uh, what makes a professional trainer? I think one thing is. Of course, having those fundamentals in check, and there are certain, you know, common things that you have to understand. So there maybe there are common topics that gather certain wisdom that can be acquired through reading books, maybe uh, going to trainings yourself. You know, certain models that you have to know because they are important. So, for example, maybe Cartman drama triangle when it comes to conflict yep. or you know, maybe certain feedback models that are uh, the, 
experience shows that they are effective. So yeah. I, I think, of course, you can put this into an educational program, and I think it would work the same. But you, there is that mouth-to-mouth -mouth wisdom as well, I guess. So there's that fundamentals of being a good trainer. Yeah. But then there's also the wisdom of the market or the client experience. And I think that wisdom comes on the one hand, maybe uh, working yourself, being in the shoes of the, let's say, developer or engineer or product owner, but maybe also working with a lot of product owners, engineers or whatever. And I think that the example of a sales guy with uh, a sales trainer with 10 years of experience in, tr in general training uh, I mean, there's potential to grow and to become the tech trainer if you put the time and you are able to acquire clients, learn from your mistakes and get that wisdom. But but if you market yeah. yourself as the tech trainer without that experience, the question is, is it ethical now? So yeah, so a totally, totally interesting topic, but you, you're thinking something. Yeah, I'm thinking because it's, uh, I, I really enjoy the conversation because okay. I, I find I a lot of, yeah, a lot of like, like a lot of common points but as well not too much so mm -hmm. we are still uh, having this kind of differences and, and i'm really excited about that and and yeah i agree totally with uh, with having some kind of background or foundational knowledge about how to mm -hmm. work with a group of people how to establish psychological safety in the group you know that people are able to open up and share their experiences and also yeah the specifics and the nuances of of of, of a specific area and uh and yeah, I actually know, uh, well, a number of consultants that they do not have like a concrete specific uh, experience in any given market, but they are extraordinary at their jobs and they are still hitting the nail and are still having this kind of huge impact on, on the client, even though perhaps they never worked in technology, yeah. but they are able to provide that knowledge and it can go in different forms and shapes. For example, maybe it is like public speaking coach, right? So public speaking coaches, it's hugely important for technology people, especially in like higher seniority levels when you have to, you know, present your ideas, when you have to sell the idea for the management, let's say. Mm. So it, it could be that you are, you know, you are focusing on how to write, mm -hmm. a, you know, like a, how to establish a business case and present your business case for the management. If you are like a senior architect or senior developer, that's actually one of the topics that I worked with my clients as well. But it's actually, you know, they have, they are some skill set, but at the same time, there are nuances, right? Yeah. You know, how management makes the decision to invest in technology or not to invest, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and stuff like that, that, you know, just a general public speaking trainer doesn't even know or doesn't even aware and I think in technology, especially, it's a lot of things that you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. If you are, you know, if you don't have the experience or you don't have a lot of people that you are speaking to, right? So, for example, in your case, you know a lot of things, even though that code reviews, right? Maybe some some uh, developer comes to a consultant or coach X and say that, you know, I'm struggling with code reviews and I need to uh, make sure that my team is hearing my feedback. I don't want to be too negative. I actually, you know, I need to be uh, empower, empowering to my team members, but also I lack time because I have these kind of other commitments, you know, and the coach listens to that and says, okay, okay, okay. So first of all, who the hell is code reviews? And then we can move on, right? So, of course, no, no second session with that coach. But uh, to <laughs> be honest, well. Thomas, uh, even if you know what is a coach of you, a good coach always asks, so in your circumstance, in your team, what is a coach of you? Give oh, me yeah, your sure. definition. Yeah, define so, it, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So sometimes the experience, I'm, I'm trying to be a devil's advocate for myself as well, because although I agree with you, I try to disagree, although I agree with what you're saying. So when I try to criticize myself, because I'm also a proponent of speciality, I still think that uh, that, that not knowing can be important and not knowing not necessarily in, in terms of uh, knowledge or industry experience, but more of being curious about terms and just digging deeper and not taking things for face value. So I think that can, can, can be also important. Yeah, I think that one one thing that comes to mm. my mind is from one of my mentors is to keep the loop open. So mm. we as a humans and especially we as a consultants that we work in this kind of knowledge knowledge market, we like to close the loop. So we like to you know if we have a question and someone opens our loop, we try mm. to close it as fast as possible. You know, you know, okay, I I do have like psychological safety problems in my team so we are opening the loop and then as a consultant okay maybe yeah. this maybe that maybe that so we are trying to close it so for me especially the team coaching part mm -hmm. helps to keep the loop open right and for mm -hmm. example the code rules right okay okay you have problem with code rules we're open the loop but i'm you know not closing the loop consciously so you know please define the code rules in your yeah. team you know maybe you know what what you hear from your team members what where are the tensions that you are feeling about the yeah. code reviews you know what you tried before what your ideas in the future right so i'm keeping the loop open as long as possible so the opportunities and the options comes you know that that kind of space mm -hmm. where the insight can occur and that kind of keeping myself in that uh, that beginner's mind mm -hmm. and and i think it's also one of one of the edge and especially i think it's the future because we are not living in a world where we have all the answers or where you know there is only one single uh mm -hmm. single outcome or single answer we need to 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 learn all the time we need to keep ourselves engaged in that kind of you know exploration phase mm -hmm. and and learning and and also being open to the idea that we may be wrong and maybe even the answer is it's it's that the answer that we have it's not the right one and mm -hmm. we need to learn something more so that's that's yeah that's actually also what excites me in my job mm -hmm. uh, you know that, that kind of exploration and learning mm -hmm. as as we already already noticed the curiosity <laughs> mm -hmm. okay Okay, so I see that when I think in the last segment of our conversation, and there's also another topic that I would like to touch. And I think that's something that where we started in the beginning. And, and just if you allow me, I would like to rant a bit on, on that aspect of age. Yeah. So uh, when I was uh, entering the market, it was in 2015, when I completed my bachelor studies, initial bachelor studies, I already had a lot of experience uh, in, in NGOs and like at least five or six years also leading teams, uh, working with marketing, with HR. And uh, I had also an additional small degree in psychology in addition to my bachelor's degree in languages. So I already felt that, okay, I, I'm... I know a lot. And when I reflect on that, I realized that, okay, that, that was overconfidence. That was like lack of confidence uh, hidden behind a mask, I think. And mm -hmm. uh, when, but when I came into my first company, I was very ambitious and I managed to raise my salary three times a year, uh, although I was fired from that company. Also due to that, because I was too ambitious and too, um, how to say, not being able to understand the nuances, I guess, mm -hmm. the nuances of communication, of power dynamics, of realizing what is okay for you, what is not okay for you when you are a young specialist. Uh, 
maybe narcissism as well. So I, I experienced those demons. And eventually I realized that uh, getting that experience eventually becoming, you know, a specialist uh, coaching psychologist in the tech area, having that experience, having that knowledge, done that research, uh, seen many things. I'm, I really, I feel much more confident, like on an objective level, but I feel less confident on the subjective level because due to my self-awareness now, I realize that due to my younger age, uh, for some maybe higher level executives who are maybe in their 40s, 50s, 60s, who seen those young ambitious people and, mm -hmm. and for them, when they listen to me, it can seem, keep talking. Yeah. Keep talking, you know, but to be a Dallas advocate when I listen to you, but listen not from my young ambitious mind, but when I listen to you from that 50, 60 year old executive who's seen a lot, that thought also pops into my head for some reason. Keep talking, keep talking, because, mm -hmm. and I say the same when I hear you speaking and I hear the same when I'm speaking. Okay, these are two 30 years old guys who okay they had the portfolio but still 30 years old okay you are at least a parent i don't even have kids so also a a, a lot of reality a lot of things of reality are missing in my in what i'm describing and how i see the world without having kids so yeah so just to lean on this aspect of age and power dynamics and you know on the one hand being successful in the early age but at the same time you know maybe finding those difficult moments when you are not trusted maybe we are not respected maybe you're not seen the way you would like to see yourself and when i hear you it seems i feel at least that you didn't have these problems although i had but i think that there are many more people who are maybe talented and they know their things and they know their development they know their architecture but they are unable to sell it because they are younger and they don't have mm -hmm. the experience and then you know the problem of diversity kicks in so so how much you trust a young mind who maybe is 30 percent genius and 30 percent wrong you know so yeah, just yeah. just want to hear your thoughts on this topic whether it's relatable to you if yes how if not maybe you you have ideas how how this aspect can can be solved maybe any advice for young people yeah i think that's uh it's really uh relatable uh what you are sharing uh perhaps i i what what thing that uh, that pops to my mind uh right away is that i am not interested in playing a game to meet like a certain expectations of let's say older people if for example you mentioned a couple of things that okay they are young maybe you know they have kids or they don't so from like decision making perspective i don't work i don't want to work with the client who has mm. this kind of predefined expectations preconception that, okay, yeah yeah that okay you need to be let's say you need to be like white male like older you need to have kids so i will trust you right but so how do you know answer, sorry yeah. thomas how can you know if the person has or doesn't have this prejudice because it's impolite to express these prejudices yeah well 
in in a lot of cases, I I I can I can feel it. Exactly. Uh, you know, you can feel it from the way they formulate the questions, mm. or what kind of wording they are using, or what even though what kind of jokes they are making, right? Mm. Uh, and uh, so you can feel that. But I'm also fortunate enough to be in that kind of technology area where we have a lot of brilliant young minds. We have people who are, for example, in my case, I I, I manage the team of like sixty plus people, and they were extremely differences they were people who were just you know still in university in like in like 20s in like 21 year old or 22 year old but they also have the team members who whom experience in the market was longer than my life so mm-hmm. they were like professionals in their 50s or they even yeah. 60s they were like phd level optimization experts and like leading the programs in universities and so they're extremely experienced people and uh, and yeah, and I have to work with them as a manager, right? So mm-hmm. I manage them. I, I actually you know uh, get get a word of their salaries, let's say, and and I have to make the decisions. So for me, what what really helped is to that the same curiosity mm-hmm. and and being you know even though sometimes I like to put myself in the position and sometimes you know I uh, if I'm if I was for example in my team's room and they are speaking about some kind of high level algorithms or mathematics you no know, I'm saying that you know guys I'm the stupidest one in the room so I may ask the stupidest question you know but this is because I want to learn this is because I want to become better so if you will help me you know uh, let's let's work on that together and and asking for that help in most cases really helped me so you know mm-hmm. I'm not pretending that I'm like an expert exactly. but I'm enthusiastic you know I want to learn about optimization you know teach me right so yeah. you have much more experience so that really you know helps to get in that relaxed mood that I'm not mm-hmm. some kind of manager I don't have like a power and I'm not one to influence you in that specific uh, specific way so that's one and uh, and of course the confidence comes from the result not the way around so if if I see that some kind of specific tools works, I have more and more confidence in those. And I have more and more confidence in myself and my intellectual uh, approach that mm-hmm. it will work. And if it won't work, I trust myself enough that I will find the way. Mm-hmm. And of course, nobody is is uh, is safe from the mistakes and from failures. And that's natural. You know, that's just part of life. Uh, but uh, but also in, in, in my in my especially case, it, it's... Uh, that confidence comes from from like concrete results and that mm-hmm. confidence is much more grounded so i'm not uh well i'm not trying to seem smarter than i am or i'm not trying to uh maybe pretend who i'm not so for example like a very clear example when i'm having conversation with a potential client with the lead right so I am saying that my number one goal in that conversation is to help the person to make the best decision for themselves. And sometimes, for example, they ask me, you know, Thomas, we have like a C-level team and we have we are like a huge corporation and we want to have like a C-level coach, executive coaching, right? And can you do that? Because perhaps we worked, uh, we worked in the past. And I would say, you know, I'm not the right person for you. You know, I can recommend this, I can recommend that, but you know, I'm not your guy in that particular area. And I'm, you know, confident enough to to say no, even though that it might be like a great yeah. opportunity. Uh, but you know, I'm 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 just looking at this from this kind of realistic uh, approach. Mm-hmm. But what you mentioned before, in like at the very beginning, as you said, your rant, 
is uh, being very ambitious. So I think that ambition is great. And I believe that in like a younger age, uh, sometimes it's not not like not grounded enough. So you don't mm -hmm. know exactly what does it take to reach that uh, ambition. And for older guys or girls, it might seem that, okay, yeah, keep talking. You know, you're still young. You're still, you know, think that everything is possible. Uh, but yeah, it's the dynamic. It's it's uh, it's very very different. Uh, but I I'm really happy that uh, that we are like in technology area and people are less biased on on the age. And uh, for in in some groups, of course, even for our technology companies, I can see uh, the maybe lack of of that confidence in in me as a trainer when they notice mm -hmm. you know how how old I am. Uh, sometimes rarely I, I get the question, you know, and how old are you? But uh, but what I noticed that uh, after maybe a, an hour or two in the training, mm -hmm. uh, all these kind of doubts are yeah. moved away because they, they see that, you know, I am being transparent. I'm being honest. I'm going to that learning direction together with them. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to teach them. I'm not trying to show the right way or the, the only answer but we are creating this together and they see that okay that kind of co-creation is really fun you know and i don't need to uh to you know disrespect or i don't need to have this bias to 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 age and i think that uh that the attention uh that you are giving to that kind of bias to age or that stereotype it's really great because i i, I really exciting that uh, we have a lot of this kind of diversity talks going on even it could be like a sexism right like one gender or another it could be like age it could be culture it could be nationality but i think those kind of discussions are really valuable and healthy you know to to discuss this kind of topics okay you know maybe we can treat each other as the human beings as professionals mm -hmm. without thinking in mind that you know you are from like a specific country or you are like a specific age or whatever right mm -hmm. i see that our time is running now but one yeah. one 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 still small moment you know uh i'm, I'm now converting to lithuania i guess maybe i'm tired already but still it was a very great conversation look uh thomas if, if you allow me to be open a bit i uh when i'm listening to you uh just from the get-go i think it's our like third conversation or something like that it it can seem to me to me at least it can seem but especially it can seem to the listener that this guy sounds too perfect he's very humble very mm. emotionally intelligent it seems that the person uh, knows what he's talking but still understands one's boundaries and then and it seems that there is no dark side to that person and for me as a clinician who works as a, as a psychologist, I have people in my practice who also seem like that, but deep inside they have these dark thoughts, even though they, their brain says that, that I don't have to compare myself to others. Age is not important. Try to rely on what I know instead of the power dynamics, uh, be humble, but still the emotional brain so to speak it says that oh you have to be this you have to be that you're judging yourself and this dynamic uh how to say accompanies a lot of us and i think almost all of us and now the question is you know whether that dynamic is something deep deep inside that you're trying maybe to suppress or maybe it's something you don't like to share and if that's the latter I would like to invite you to share your dark side because 
that can be something more empowering than looking perfect. Although I understand that you are not trying to be perfect or yeah. trying to look perfect, <laughs> but, but it can sound like that when you're avoiding to share maybe the emotional difficulties you face. And I, I'm really skeptical if, if you don't have at least a little bit of it, of it being a young guy and talking with many, many leaders, many, many executives and etc. Yeah, of course. Of course, I do have uh, the dark sides or side. Uh, sure, we are all humans. And even though, yeah, I, 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 may, uh, I may create this kind of image, but it's not conscious. It's just mm. who I am. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's probably because of the setting, right? So we are having this kind of podcast mm. format, which is a bit harder, at, at least for me, because I'm, mm. I, I do not have a lot of uh, interviews. Uh, it. So it's a bit difficult, yeah. But uh, when it comes to dark sides, you know, it's uh, I'm I'm really trying to be more and more aware of that, and especially when it comes with uh, anxiety without uh, like. A, a huge uh, uh, reason to mm. uh, like anxiety about the future or uh, even though having you know having founded my own company mm -hmm. and and having a family to support so there are a lot of uh, you know of course those kind of doubts or or fears that sometimes some, something might go wrong you know and even though as i mentioned that it might be really everything might seem perfect or mm. good enough uh, uh, even from from like an outside view of course we have the demons that that we are you know grappling and 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 for me it's yeah as i mentioned anxiety it's 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 overthinking for me it's also a huge one so where i try to think through problems and and so i i try to learn more to mm. feel and not also mm. to think so it's it's really for me it's just just bias to thinking. So I try to think about everything, and try to write down a lot of stuff. Mm. So yeah, this this thing. And but uh, what and, you're describing, yeah. Thomas, what you're describing, I still feel that are very humane things, and I feel that it's totally normal to feel anxiety when you have a company and to trying to achieve something. It's totally normal to have anxiety when you are you know a full-time trainer and also a father and all these kind of things and i guess maybe the problem is maybe that's my me being maybe open to you about myself i have these demons sometimes so those power dynamics and i sometimes wonder i mean what what happened in my life that i sometimes think too much about these things how i look how i i'm seen by others and you know mm -hmm. i Maybe what gives me happiness when I'm listening to you that they are ambitious people as well who are lucky or maybe not lucky just the way they are not to have these thoughts. And if that's the case, I'm, I really appreciate that if that's the case because then I feel much safer to recommend you to a client or company or whatever because you know people with such a dark side without self-awareness that's a dangerous package and yeah, yeah. that dark side will come through through their speech through their training and when let's say if they are not aware or their let's say deep inner need to win let's say that deep inner need to win can be transferred to the team that you're working on and that deep uh, deep need can be not sustainable it can be psychopathic sometimes not yeah. empathic enough and but still what you're describing you know 
I guess when I'm listening to you from that devil advocate's perspective, I try to look for problems, but maybe I'm trying to look for solutions for myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, actually, but still, I mention, appreciate what you're saying. Yeah, but you mentioned the, like, uh, well, I, I'm not sure if, if we can call it like imposter syndrome or, you know, trying to uh, yeah. uh, act and, and uh, communicate in a certain way. But that's also one of the things that I, I I was you know struggling for a long time, and I still don't think that I solved it, you know, and 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 just put it in the, in the in some kind of dark corner. But uh, but yeah, especially when you are uh, like the trainer who is uh, all, all, almost all of the time on the spotlight, you know, mm -hmm. especially working with, for example, with a group. Of course, I I can have this kind of meta thoughts that yeah. you know, looking from a perspective that you know, if if I am speaking, you know, smart enough, or uh, how do I look, or, mm. or how my one or another vulnerability will show to the group or will not show. But what what I'm trying to do is also to put that that spotlight more to the group, yeah. and it really what my significant other uh, really helped me during the years is to be more myself be more transparent mm -hmm. and more just organic and natural exactly. so what i'm trying to do now and what i'm really learning is to put myself a little bit uh, from that spotlight and really put the spotlight on the client so you know for me i can be clumsy you know i can make mistakes but if that helps the learning process that i'm happy <laughs> and that's that that's the, the that's the beauty of spontaneity and being imperfect and i guess the reason why I'm trying to explain the rationale be behind my questions and, you know, from my perspective, you know, just to give context and to be vulnerable myself, because at, on the one hand, despite these uh, dark uh, aspects of my personality, I'm sure that there are people who have the same, you know, and yep. I guess uh, when you are on a mission to help people be self-aware, you have to be at the forefront and try to be yourself self-aware and open with your dark sides and i guess what i what, what i was trying to do maybe just to provide an opportunity for someone who is listening to see maybe your dark sides who you are able to become conscious of and learn from it because i think it can be sometimes even more empowering to see imperfection than seeing perfection you know and i like that yeah. that that you i appreciate that you uh, allowed us uh, me including and the listeners to to see you maybe in a different light when they are used yeah, to yeah. yeah so and just just a final thought sure. on on this on this topic is that uh, in each of the training or you know like the vast majority of it i ask the participants where do you feel tension mm -hmm. you know it's so it's very conscious ask not where you feel stress or you know what kind of problems do you have but all of these kind of maybe negative thoughts that creeps in or this kind of background noise mm. that keeps coming out. And uh, and in so many cases, especially yeah, in, in younger audience, when we have team leads, we have that kind of authority question, the power question where, you know, you know, I'm 25 years old and I'm already a team lead, you know, who I am to lead those kind of people. And it's, yeah, it's so normal. It's It's totally, totally... Uh, what the reality is all about that we all have this this tensions we all have these uh these yeah uh negative thoughts or discouraging thoughts that mm. that uh, creeps in and i really like uh, what one of my colleague founder of uh, another uh, technology company mentioned uh is that you know 
entrepreneurship or management or probably any other career has this kind of uh, back and forth and this kind of roller coaster. But especially when you are like a trainer, when you are working for yourself, when you are having a company or you are leading a team, it might seem that, you know, in the morning you will run the world and everything is going to the right place. Then after an hour, it sucks. You want to leave everything and, you know, you want to bump your head into the wall. And after the lunch, you are already the, the ruler of yeah. the world and everything is also fine. And then it's all the time just kind of trying to find the healthy balance for yourself. Amazing. Okay, Thomas. So I see that our our time is running out already. So f- to finish this, maybe in a, in a also maybe a positive note or hopeful note, uh, when, when you look back at this conversation, maybe there are uh, some things that you would like to emphasize and maybe people and invite people to think about more so what would be your like key take to take key takeaways that you would like to leave this conversation from uh where where actually i uh, would put the highlight of this mm-hmm. conversation is our dance around the point a so our mm-hmm. unique position and our unique like personality so mm-hmm. it's even from the very beginning where you ask these these thoughtful questions about my experience uh, in 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 like teenage years and and with uh, with my parents and with the fire and then later on what what we actually finished also on the note about understanding yourself and what limits you perhaps what kind of dark sides you have. So for me, this conversation is all about knowing yourself, even mm-hmm. though as as cheesy as it may sound, right? But uh, once you understand you, yourself, once you are conscious about your behavior, it then becomes uh, much easier to create something outside, to create relationships, to create a product, to create impact for other people, Mm -hmm. and to have this kind of positive influence. Amazing. Okay, Thomas. So thank you for being here. I think it was a wonderful conversation. I I learned so much from you, so I really appreciate you taking the time.